Welcome to One City Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this message by Chris Conley. For more information, please visit our website at onecitymemphis.org. Welcome to One City Church. Today, what we're going to focus on is what does it mean for us to be a people of revival? Revival in our personal lives, but then also to experience revival as a church so that we can be a catalyst for revival in our city, beyond our city, and even in our country and around the world. And so when you think about that word revival, yes, it's a historical word. It has a lot of significance, but I hope today I can define that word in a variety of different ways that helps you make this word a part of your personal vocabulary, something where you can say, I am revival, that you want to be revival in your personal life, uh, in your significant relationships, whether that be a dating relationship, whether that be a marriage relationship with your children, uh, in your circle of influence. And so let's begin today by defining revival and then talking through that for a little bit. So what is revival? Revival isn't, it is not the discovery of a new truth. A lot of times we think it's about something new. Revival is actually the rediscovery of the truth. You are being revived because you're rediscovering what the original truth is. But when we think about the truth, I don't want you to think about the truth just in the context of a principle. I want you to think about the truth in the context of a person. See, revival is uh, being revived uh, in relationship to the person of Jesus. See, truth is relational. The truth is the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Ultimately, revival is being in that married relationship with Jesus Christ. See, revival is about falling in love again. It's about returning to our first love. And when you think about falling in love again or returning to your first love, the, the thing about that makes love so unique is the intensity of desire. And what we are praying is that all of us will be revived in our desires, that, that no longer is Christianity or your walk with God about rules or about religion, but rather it's about you are led by your desire to receive his love, uh, to give his love, and then ultimately to be known by love. That, that, that what is the strongest desire in the world, the thing that will radically change us more than anything, is for us to be head over heels in love with Jesus. Now, it's very common for us to have a season of intense love, and then you know all of us kind of um, allow our passions to waver at times. But revival is a season when the passion returns, and then we can do things to sustain that passion. Ultimately, when I think about the word passion, it probably should just be reserved for God and God alone. 
that that he's really the only one worthy of that level of desire in our life, that we are passionate for him. And then we become passionate in the way that we love others. And so when you think about being revived in a married relationship with Jesus, uh, it's truly about putting Jesus first again. And so when we think about revival, uh, I want you to think about it in the sense of what are those competing loves in your life? And how do you put him first in such a way that there is a huge gap between first place and second place? That, that your love for Jesus, your devotion to him, your dedication to him, that, that it is so passionate, you're so in pursuit of him, that there is a radical gap between first and second place. But also when we think about revival, there's never been a revival in one personally or in one's church corporately without the work of the Holy Spirit. That what must happen in order for us to be revived is for us to allow the the Spirit of God to um, to be stirred in our life. It, it, is the, it is to be filled with the Spirit of God. And yes, when we trust Christ, uh, you know, and, and we receive salvation, we receive the forgiveness of our sins, we receive the freedom that comes with forgiveness, that yes, the Spirit of God comes in us and indwells us, but also we need to be filled up with all the fullness of God. And so what I'm praying for us as we build this church, One City Church, is that we would be a people that are filled with the Spirit, that we would have rivers of living water flowing in us and through us, and that when that happens, here's what's going to happen. There are greater works that He is going to do through us, that greater works are available to us and greater works are available through us. And we're beginning to see some of those. We're seeing the manifestations of the Spirit of God in and through the life of our church. Already this fall, we've seen over 25 people place their faith in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. That's remarkable. That is the beginning of uh, life and life more abundant. That is that passion phase. And for the rest of us, you know, that maybe we trusted Christ a, a while back longer in our life, that this is where we want to get back to that infatuation phase. We want to get back to that level of intensity. We want to get back to he is first. But what we see in revival is that when we're filled with the spirit, we also have the manifestations of the spirit. And so when you see the spirit of God working through you, there are mountains that begin to move. And you say, what's a mountain? Well, scripturally, a mountain is any type of obstacle in your life. It's something that's impossible. But what we do is that God gives us the gift of faith, the manifestation of faith, and that faith gives us the ability to have certainty in the midst of uncertainty. It gives us the ability to have uh, reason to believe, have faith even when, when there's reason to doubt, that, that we will believe, we'll have confidence in the face of doubt, and we'll overcome the doubt with our faith, and we'll see mountains moved in that way. 
But what we also see is that when we have Jesus first, when we are filled by the Spirit, then we begin to see the inbreaking of the kingdom of God. And you say, what do you mean by that? Well, the kingdom of God is when there is the king of the kingdom has come and he is coming to establish his rule and his reign in my life and then through my life. And when we see the inbreaking of the kingdom of God, he is restoring heaven on earth and we begin to see the miracles again. We begin to see the works of God in extraordinary ways. And we see that there are people that will be healed physically, uh, spiritually, emotionally, relationally, all types of healing. And we're already seeing those. There are so many of you that are praying prayers for people who are dealing with battling significant illnesses, and we are seeing breakthroughs. We're seeing other types of healing. But also in those manifestations of the Spirit, there are times that in revival, we see an abundance of prophetic words. We see these words that edify people, that build people up, that encourage people, that speak into the future, and that God speaks a new word to usher in a new day. And so there's so many different ways that we just tried to define revival uh, and take it a little bit out of a historical context, put it into the context of your personal life, put it into the context of one city church, and then put it into the context of your circle of influence. Because see, if we win our circle of influence, we'll win our city. But here's something else I want you to see about revival. And this is one of the most important things that I could possibly say about revival. Revival actually, actually, it actually restores the extraordinary as ordinary. Now that may sound a little bit backwards. Let me, let me explain what I'm talking about. There was a day in time that with the arrival of the Holy Spirit, the birth of the church, through Jesus and his ministry, through the ministry of the disciples, through the, 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 the ministry of the 12, the 72, the 120, that extraordinary was normal. Extraordinary was what was happening day in, day out. And here's what I believe. There was a day when 12 people turned the world upside down and that can happen again. There was a day when 72 people saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. There was a day when 122 people began to form a church that changed the world. And what I'm praying is instead of you having to be revival by yourself. See, if you're revival by yourself, that's like an ember taken out of a fire. And it's hard to keep that ember lit. It's hard to keep that ember strong. But when the Spirit of God falls on 120 at one time, then that's like 120 embers together. And what I believe is that the Spirit of God is falling on us as one city church. And that when he falls on us as one city church, you don't have to keep the fire lit by yourself. But rather, there's going to be so much greater power when we're all together. And that the fire of each lit ember enables every ember to burn brighter, to burn bigger, to burn bolder, to burn in such a powerful way. And you know what? When those embers are together, it's virtually impossible to put out the fire. You know, that over Thanksgiving weekend, 
Uh, I was with my family. I built a fire. I'm not typically known for being a great outdoorsman or anything of that nature. I received great grief from my family about how many fire sticks I used in order to build this fire. But I eventually got the fire roaring, okay? I mean, it was a quality fire. And once I got it roaring, I kept putting more and more weight on that fire. But what happened was, is that when it came time to go to bed and put that fire out, I poured literally four, five, six buckets of water on that fire. I would come out, you know, 30 minutes later, hour later, and it would relight because it's impossible to put the fire out when the embers are together. And so this is what is happening with us. The embers, your ember, the fire's being lit, but we're together and we're going to burn brighter because of that. So what does revival look like for you? What does revival look like for our family in 2021? I taught this a couple of weeks ago, but I want to remind this. What if you just broke it down in this simple way? Number one, be with Jesus. Would you just prioritize ways to be with Jesus? And, and at One City Church, we talk about this in, in kind of four primary ways that, you know, what does it look like for us to worship, uh, to have friendship, leadership, and stewardship? But what does it look like specifically through worship that private worship precedes public worship? To be with Jesus in such a way that you're going to prioritize your priority time. You're going to prioritize. We're going to kick off the year with 21 days of prayer and fasting that you might prioritize coming to Tremble or checking out Tremble online and that we're going to have 40 Tremble services in the new year. What would happen in your life personally? What would happen in our life as a church family if we dedicated those 40 hours to truly praying powerful prayers? And so, number one, be with Jesus. Number two, be sensitive to the Spirit. So if you be with Jesus and you develop that kind of priority time in the morning, it helps you to be sensitive to the Spirit throughout the day and that you can follow the Spirit's leadings and promptings. And so that's number three. Then do what the Spirit prompts you to do. You go, how do I know? It's very simple. It's very easy. The Spirit's going to prompt you to love Him, to love others. The Spirit's going to prompt you to be light in the midst of darkness. The Spirit's going to prompt you to be expressions of the fruits of the Spirit. And so I want you to enter into 2021 believing this. God is saying this, I want more for you. Do you really believe that? He wants more for you. He promises more. But sometimes if we have a hard time believing more, let's just flip the statement and let's show how obvious it is that he does want more. Do you think God wants less for you? Absolutely not. He's a good father who gives good uh, gifts, who has, is full of promises for us. So he doesn't want less. And if he doesn't want less, we have more than enough evidence to know that he wants more. So as we wrap up this message and as we point toward 2021, I want to give you two verses that will help you kind of pray these things into your life and help us be uh, the revival that God wants us to be personally and corporately. 
The first one is this, and I'm sure you've heard this verse before, but some of the most famous verses in the world, they're famous for a reason. But unfortunately, when we hear the verse, we go, oh, yeah, 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 I know that. No, 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 no. I don't want you to just know that from a memory standpoint or intellectual standpoint. Do you know this from the standpoint of applying it to your life, from the standpoint of obeying it, from the standpoint of living it out? Second Chronicles 7.14 says this, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves. Now, none of us like prideful people. And all of us respect and are drawn to humble people. Humility, it, it's, it's not about uh, thinking just less of yourself, though that's part of it. Humility begins with thinking more of God. And when you think more of God, you'll think less of yourself. So how do you, that's how you humble yourself first and foremost is by thinking more of him. But second, it says pray. And we're going to have all kinds of ways. Again, 21 days of prayer and fasting. Tremble, a house of united prayer. Your priority time, uh, praying without ceasing. We want to truly be a people in a, a movement that is known by the power of prayer. He says uh, that if you'll humble yourself and pray, and he says, seek my face. Don't just seek his hand. Seek his face. That's an expression of worship. And then he says, turn from your wicked ways. All of us have them. We're sinful. We're fallen people. There is something that we can turn from, but the easiest way to turn from is to turn to, is to seek his face. When you seek his face, you'll naturally turn from your wicked ways. And then he says, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. We need that in our lives personally. We need that in our families. I personally... I uh, am tired of hearing the word dysfunctional always attached to family. That's not what God desires. He desires for our family to be healthy, uh, to be holy, and, and, and to truly be known by love. But once we begin to pray into and live out 2 Corinthians seven fourteen, I would love for us to pray this for the city of Memphis and beyond. Jeremiah 29, 7, it says this, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare, you will find welfare. So what does it mean for you personally? What does it mean for one city church to seek the welfare of our city? that when we are revival, then we begin to revive our circle of influence. We begin to revive our church. We begin to revive our city. We begin to revive our country. And then lastly, I want to give you just a little bit of biblical insight on the word blessing because I want to personally bless you. Uh, I want you to be a blessing. I want our families to be blessed. And I want us to be known by blessing others. So the word blessing throughout the pages of scriptures uh, has three primary meanings. The first primary word for blessing, the one that's used most frequently, means this. Now, now capture this. This is what it means. This is powerful. This radically changes your understanding of blessing. So the word that means blessing means costly blood sacrifice.
that in order for us to receive a blessing from God the Father, it required God the Father to send his son Jesus to become a costly blood sacrifice for us. It's vitally important for us to understand that because that means there's no such thing as a cheap blessing. That when he blesses us, it comes from great sacrifice. That we shouldn't just bless others out of our abundance. We should bless others out of being a living and holy sacrifice that is our spiritual act of worship. The second word for blessing means barak. It means to bow or bend the knee, to bow or bend the knee. So God is once again choosing to be the father. He's choosing to be the servant leader who bends the knee to bless his children and to make us whole and flourish us according to his divine purpose. Now that word flourish, I love it. I, I love the British accent. I wish I had a British accent and I could say that word flourish the way that the Brits do. But there's just so much beauty in that word, so much fullness in that word. And it's, it's just so represents the heart of God toward us that it means to bow or to bend the knee and that God is choosing to do that to make us whole and to flourish us according to his design purpose. And then the third word for blessing is really what we're familiar with uh, in the context of a funeral. Uh, it's the word eulogy, and it means well words, that God gives one insight to pronounce well words over one's life, and that God has designed well words, blessings, in order for us to flourish. So now when we think about blessing in the context of a costly blood sacrifice, listen to this. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. None of that is available without the costly blood sacrifice. We are who we are today because he has paid for our sins in full, because he was resurrected, and in his resurrection, he has given us victory, victory over our sin, and he has given us the ability to, tr to, to truly be a people who pursue him, who are led by those desires. And so here's how we can be revival for 2021. Be with Jesus. Number one, just be with Jesus. Number two, what you want to do is be sensitive to his spirit. And then number three, do what the spirit prompts you to do. So I pray that this message uh, prepares you for the best year of your life in 2021, that will overcome any circumstances, will overcome any adversity. And what we'll do is we'll allow um, our personal pursuit of God to receive his presence, 
to receive his peace, to receive his power in such a way that we can say, I am revival and I'm a part of revival. And the revival of one city church will lead to the revival of one Memphis. So let's pray that together. Let's be that together. Let's commit to that together. Let me pray for you. Holy Spirit, I pray that on this Sabbath Sunday, the last Sunday of December, as people are watching this individually or together, God, I pray your biggest blessing upon them. God, I pray that you would bless them in such an extraordinary way that you would increase their desire to simply be with Jesus. God, I pray that you bless them in such a way that you give them that, that, that ability to be sensitive to your spirit throughout the day. And God, I pray that you bless them to follow the promptings of the spirit. God, I pray that you bless them where every relationship in their life, if there's brokenness, there's healing. If there's a need for forgiveness, forgiveness is given and received. That God, that there would be healing in every relationship. God, if there needs to be physical healing, that there be physical healing in uh, this, in, in, in the individual and in their loved ones. And then God, I pray that we as a people would hear new words from you, believe those words and watch those words usher in the kingdom of God. We love you. We are grateful for you. We are grateful to be the people of God. And God, we now take the privilege and the pleasure of living out the fullness of the kingdom for all of Memphis to see and beyond. We pray that in Christ's name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's message, share it with a friend and be sure to subscribe to this channel so you don't miss a single episode. Join our movement and help us to prove that love works. You can give towards our mission at onecitymemphis.org.